Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Control Report Podcast, episode 255. I'm Benjamin Yoder, here today to talk to you about video games. Going to keep the actual game playing section of this podcast pretty short and sweet. A lot of these things I've already talked about a lot, so I don't want to sit there and, like, you know, reiterate a lot of things. But what I can say is... I did finally beat Sparkling Feather in terms of getting the good ending. So, you know, depending on how you feel, that might be the first time I've beat it. But I have also gotten the bad ending a couple times before. So very happy to have done that. Um, I don't want to say too much more about it um, because I think I am going to try to figure out what kind of video to put together for it. English guide aspects will definitely be a part of whatever I do. Um, but how much of that will be in, in combination to like a review, I'm not quite sure yet. But I've been thinking about wanting to do like putting more of my voice into those English guide videos a little more. I was trying to keep like very hands off of like, I don't want to tell you what to think about this video game. Um, but the more I thought about it and like how few of those games have like real, um, you know, uh, analysis work done on the internet, like Sparkling Feather. I don't think there's a lot of opinions on Sparkling Feather on the internet. Um, it probably still is valuable for most of the games on there. So I think that's something I might be doing going forward. We'll see, though. I got to try it out. Um, but yeah, I'm happy to say that, you know, I largely have done everything I wanted to do with that game. The one thing that's kind of left is like you can get different endings with each of the characters, but it's basically just like one like CG picture of them. Um, and then you get some voice acting where they, they talk and I've gotten twice or or two, I've gotten Sapphire. That was in my original run that I got the bad ending. And then I also got a diamond in the uh, most recent run I did, which diamond is like the main girl. So that's kind of why I focused on her. I was like, if I'm going to get the good ending, I might as well get like the, the, you know, main story girl kind of thing. I did get to the point that I could date two other characters. And I think as long as I dated them on the last mission, they probably would be like, my actual companions by the end of it. Um, however, uh, the final boss fight in that game uh, took me probably around two hours, honestly. So it's a it's a very slow moving game. So it's not like that was like a super hard thing. It just takes time. Um, so I, I'm happy to have finally done that, but I don't think I'm going to go through and like try to unlock everybody's ending. Not even the two other characters I dated, which was Opal and uh, Harry Dot, I think her name is. So... I'll, 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 maybe in the future, but right now I just don't view that as like super important. So, um, Sparkling Feather, this is not the last you've heard of it, but, uh, I just wanted to like give a little update and let you know that I have made a lot of progress on that. So there's just trying to figure out, you know, what that video is going to look like is going to be a goal of the next, you know, couple, couple weeks, if not a couple months, depending on what kind of workload I, I set up for myself and what I decided to focus on first. Um, still playing Crime Crackers as well on stream. So having a good time with that. Um, nothing really new to report there other than just, you know, it's a fairly lengthy game and I feel like the variety of the game design is just a little, a little lacking. Um, but it does have a lot of like, like the last stream that seemed like there were some more fun story points of just like, oh, this dragon dude really likes this mushroom or whatever. And he's like, he's like, oh, I'm really craving it. And then you go like, they give you an excuse to go on a mission to go find these mushrooms, you know, the, 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 the ship that was transporting them got attacked and we got to go take care of that and then collect the mushroom or whatever. It's like just kind of fun little anime tropey, you know, uh, uh, side mission thing that's like shoved into the main story. But largely the game itself has been pretty straightforward. Um, I'm a little uh, like there's nothing really wrong with the game outside of just, you know, depending on how you feel about the time it was released and the, how those types of games functioned. Um, but it just feels like there's there's just a little it's just lacking a little personality, I think, at times. 
you know, dialogue aside, right? I can't read it like really, but but like it just feels like gameplay wise, there's not a lot of personality in in the game itself. I think is the is the bigger problem with that, or maybe like more dialogue while you're going through the mission would have been nice or something like that. So. Yeah, I think that the game, we'll see. I, I'm kind of, as time goes on, I feel like I'm getting less and less interested in Crime Crackers. Um, also played some more Crystal Chronicles. Nothing really new there. We, we did start up Helldivers as well as another multiplayer group thing um, game, but uh, the, the group kind of realized they wanted to play some other game, and I was not involved in that game. So I think for now, um, they're actually going to stop doing the Monday uh, multiplayer sessions and, and I'll just be doing Tuesday for now with Crystal Chronicles, which honestly is fine by me. It gives me more time to work on things. So I'm like, okay, cool, fine. You guys are going to work on or play other games. So that I, that, that it's like they already have a group set up for and everything. So like, that's perfectly fine by me. Um, so give me time to go and either work on something or play another video game. That's, that's always a good thing. Those are two things that I have trouble fitting time into especially with all the social obligations and stuff every week um that i that i have so so yeah um but i have been thinking about playing uh family jockey a bit um if you didn't see on the last crime cracker stream we did, we did play a little bit of this on stream and we'll get to the details of exactly why we did there's a whole situation we ended up with an extra 40 minutes basically so like let me check out family jockey so i put that in this is part of that family series that namco puts out so kind of the whiskey space go vacation, uh, you know, fishing resort, things like that. But it is a horse racing game. Um, played a little bit of that on stream, had a good time with it so far. And I feel like I, I, I'm, I'm ready to sit down and spend time with that game. Um, so I will probably go out of my way to at least play it a little bit. Um, and then hopefully if, if, if it's not like too intense, I think we'll commit and just play through, you know, it, you know, at a reason, like at a reasonable pace kind of thing, just, you know, some races here and there, get through the Grand Prix and things like that. Two racing games back to back, Chocobo GP, now, now Family Jockey. So, although I think Family Jockey is probably more in the, the line of interests of people who listen to this. Maybe, I don't know. The, the whiskey and snowboarding video has, has a lot of views. So, um, the family series, probably something I should focus on more, um, honestly. So, so yeah. And that's pretty much it for game stuff I've played. Um, so really what I'm looking at right now is, uh, a couple things. One is, um, I did, uh, recently coordinate with, uh, um, uh, filler and another person. I don't know if they want me saying their name or not on here and like committing them to something. So we talked about it publicly, but I'll, I'll just leave it up. But for filler from the, uh, uh, last PCFX podcast, or sorry, the first PCFX podcast. I forgot we had the video game Esoterica one. Um, uh, he, he, we're gonna have maybe set something up. So maybe looking forward to some more PCFX multi-tap podcasts here in the future. Um, once we get that moving. Um, but you know, it's not, wouldn't be the first time I promise something and it goes away. So don't, don't, don't expect too much right now. Um, I also am work, worked on a Oreca battle, uh, uh, Oreca Kampai or Ken, Ken, what is it called? Oreca Orekampeki device is what it's called. Um, so I, I went ahead and did like an unboxing and first impression video for that. So that's actually going up this week. Surprise video. I threw it together like last minute. I threw it together when I was playing Sparkling Feather, honestly. 
Um, and then also, if you're on the Patreon, I still have the video that I did the uh, F PCFX GA card installation. I edited that together. I might put some music behind it, and then that will be up um, probably not this week, but the week after. So that should be there um, in the near future as well. So those are kind of my working projects. And then I'm also looking at maybe doing something with Kudan and Squash here. I have an old, like, not full script, but like partial script I wrote up uh, last year, and it might be worth putting something together with that. I think Mr. T recommended it, and I was like, you're probably right. I probably should do a Kudadin Squash video. There's, I looked around on the internet. There's not a lot of like great videos for Kudadin Squash. A lot of them are old or, or maybe a little like, um, maybe more in the style of like my quick play video kind of thing where it's not like very honed in on any particular topics around Kudadin Squash. It's just them like saying, here's this game. Here's how it works. It's pretty good. So, um, I, I do think I have some thoughts about how Kudadin uh, squash is kind of structured compared to uh, other obstacle course games on the GameCube, Monkey Ball specifically. I think I think they're kind of two two sides of the same coin kind of thing, right? Um, where where in a lot of ways you look at it and go, this feels like a game that kind of fits that Monkey Ball formula, but it does very different things than Monkey Ball. Not only from like a purely like hey gameplay perspective you're you're a spinning stick versus like a rolling ball you are still an animal on a ball weirdly enough but you're a, you're a ball with sticks to get on the side um but also but mainly from like a how how it ramps up the challenge to the player and what it expects out of the player and i i personally feel like kudan squash probably is the when it comes to a casual perspective of a casual gamer playing GameCube games. Um, I think Kudan and Squash is a better game than Monkey Ball, to be to be honest with you. Um, but I don't know really how to like position that yet. But that was originally the kind of write up about that thing where I was like, this is kind of an interesting thing about Kudan and Squash. But like, if does that make sense as like a full video? I'm not quite sure. I, I I figure I can expand that out and and figure that out without too much trouble. So, um, but I haven't really sat down and looked at it. I'm still playing through Kudan and Squash again just to give myself a refresher. I beat that game. That's probably the first import game I have honestly not the first i'm sorry i have the dragon ball three dragon ball z games on ps1 that i got at like a swap meet um and that was my first set of import games but kudan and squash was the first game that i ordered from like play asia or something in, in order and, and it was a very cheap game at the time too i think it was like five dollars so it was it was very reasonable to get a copy i don't know how much it is today um but it is a game that i feel like is like maybe pretty underrated honestly for the gamecube i i, I feel like that game should have way more attention i i thought it had way more attention like the game GameCube is a system that's like hot, right? It's hot. It's been hot the last couple of years. Why Why is there not a lot of uh, like eyes on Kudan and Squash? I don't know. I'm kind of surprised. So anyways, we'll see. Hopefully that makes sense here in the near future. So um, anyways, so I figured we'd go ahead and talk about some news real quick. And then, you know, since we had kind of a short front section here, and, and then we'll go to the Patreon question and then switch back over to the news here. Um, got a pretty hefty list of news items that I think are worth talking about here on, on our podcast. Some of them are a little bit more mainstream. I've been trying to maybe stick a little bit more towards the news topics that make sense for me. So I'm not just repeating a lot of stuff that you're getting from other, you know, outlets. There's always like, random news stories that I might have some thoughts on from like a game industry perspective but like when I sit down and think about like you know talking about it and what's the value of it in this podcast I sometimes question it so I've been trying to like kick off some more of the stories that are like like oh Nintendo 64 like GBA or Game Boy like expansion pack 
you know, thing uh, rumored or, or found on the code or whatever for the Nintendo Switch Online. It's kind of like, I don't really have anything to say about that. So admittedly, some of these things I never have anything to say about, but I think they're worth highlighting. And I think that something like this is more important than something like, well, not more important, but more important for our podcast purposes. Um, so the first one I'll talk a little bit about, and this one is actually one of those larger news stories that I think people probably did hear about, is um, El Shaddai is going to be coming to the Nintendo Switch. If you don't know what this game is, this is a PS3 and Xbox 360 game put out by Ignition probably around like 2010 and uh, I played the PS3 version I I had uh, rented it from Gamefly and um, I was really not expecting to like it that much I was just like this looks like something that's probably not up my alley sometimes I can kind of tell if like a game's just not really going to like hit with me Um, I was playing Moonlight Syndrome recently on stream and I'm like I don't know if this game is my kind of game and and like I can kind of figure that out sometimes so I felt like El Shaddai would be one of those games where I looked at it and was like oh man like I I don't want anything to do with this because it's going to be like this really complicated conversation about lore and religion and all that stuff. Like, I don't want anything to do with this really, but Gamefly sent it to me. So like, all right, we're playing this. And man, I really liked it. It was great. Um, and, and more recently, since I only rented it at the time, I, I bought the 360 version and played some of that again because we had like a, a pickups video I did where I played like an hour or so of it. When I played it again recently, I was like, man, I still really like this game. Um, I think it gets kind of like a negative reputation, um, mainly from the combat. It is pretty simple and straightforward. It's just like light and heavy attacks, and you're largely doing the same combat combos over and over and over again. However, what I really like about the combat in that game is that um, there's kind of an interesting flow to it where... Um, when you kill enemies, your, your blade essentially gets like dirtied up. It's like, there's like these energy things. They get like filled with like dark energy or whatever. Um, and so you get to like purify it basically. So you can purify it. It takes a little time. Your character just like, like swipes their hand over it. It Takes about maybe like a second or something, but it's really disruptive. Enemies can hit you during it. Things like that. So ideally you don't want to purify your blade. You can still use it too. It's just the damage is less. Um, so kind of what the, the, the flow of that game is, is, or at least for me it was, was you're in a combat, there's like three different weapon types, and you are fighting an enemy, and you steal the weapon from that enemy. So there's like actual like killing moves you can do, or not really killing, it's literally just like a, it's like an execution move in terms of like there's a locked animation, but you don't kill the enemy, you just take their weapon. And so when your weapon gets, you know, um, dirtied essentially, you basically will go and use one of those weapon stealing moves on an enemy and take their weapon. And that weapon is like, you know, a pure weapon at that point. So you can, you know, swap between them and not have to stop combat really. I mean, you do stop combat, but you're like, you're safe from it. There's, you don't have to like sit there and like worry about getting hit. And it's like an animation that plays out rather than just standing there and like swiping your hand on a, on a blade kind of thing. So it makes it so you're always kind of switching weapons in combat. And so how you like actually approach combat can can, you know, make you determine like, oh, I want to take out this enemy first so I can get their weapon to work on this enemy kind of thing. And you kind of expand out a strategy from there. Um, and, and so it always makes it feel like really kind of fun and fresh. And if you want to, you can stick to just one weapon. It's just, you have to sit there and take that purifying time. So it is a, it is a very fun game in that regard, in my opinion. And I still felt that way when I played it fairly recently. Um, I think what it stands out about it for most people really is probably more the aesthetic of it. Um, it is a very like painterly kind of game. It's, it's, it's one of those games that has like indistinct backgrounds at times. So like kind of like Killer7, if you ever seen that, where it often can be difficult to tell where the end of the world is or what stops where. And I really like that aesthetic. And, um, because the game's so linear, it, that, that aesthetic doesn't really get in the way at all. It, it, it just kind of keeps, it, it just, it, it just it basically acts as like a, a, 
you know, showpiece for you as you walk through. And there's a lot of interesting things they do in very like near fashion where they put you on like 2D tracks, like the opening credits as you like running through the credits and stuff like that. Um, so there's, there's, there's a lot of fun things with that as well. So, and it has like a very like weird off the wall kind of religion focus to it. That's not really relevant. I think El Shaddai is a religious thing. I don't know much about it. So anyways, so really all that news story is, is that that game is coming to switch. And I just like, Hey, I like that game a lot. It's really good. I recommend it. If you, if you, if you are into that kind of thing, I would say definitely check that one out. It's on PC as well. I think, I think it came out late last year on PC. Um, as far as I'm aware, it's pretty much a straight port. Um, not really any enhancements or, or flashiness added to it. So I would expect the same thing for the switch, but you always have the problem with switch where you don't know what the performance is going to be like. I never know if that's a problem with like, you know, just not enough money being allocated to these versions of the game. And so you don't have like the Bethesda situation where they spend a bunch of time and money like optimizing it for the system. Or if it's because like the standard money you would spend on like a port just doesn't meet the need required to like optimize for both portable and console play. And I feel like Switch games just constantly have problems. And, you know, it's a, it's a mobile, I believe, architecture or like hardware in there essentially, right? Um, so I don't know if it's underpowered anyway or whatever, but I feel like that's just an ongoing problem with Switch games. Just stuff being underpowered and even stuff, you know, from previous generations often has trouble running on there. If it's an emulator, obviously it's a kind of a different story there because what you need to emulate a game is more than what you need to run it on. It's like original hardware kind of thing. So, um, but yeah, cool game. Check it out if you haven't. You know, it's another cool game you can check out. Buddy Mission Bond. If you didn't know, I believe this is always the case. If you want to play the first two chapters of Buddy Mission Bond, you can always do so for free. Um, however, this upcoming week on the 28th, they'll be making the full game free to Nintendo Switch online subscribers. Um, so quote free, you're subscribed. So it's as quote free that is, but if you're already a part of that package, then you know, you don't have to pay any additional money. Um, and you can basically play through the entire game between, uh, April 28th to May 5th. Um, so if you, if you want to try to shove it into that window, you can obviously after that time frame. if you want to finish it, you have to buy it again or wait to see if they do another free trial period. But, um, but yeah, so if you ever want to try buddy mission bond and you want to get deeper than just the first two chapters before you make a decision on either playing it through all the way or potentially buying it, um, there's a way for you to do that here in the, in the next week or so. Um, the, the article, um, from, I forget who wrote it. I think it's inside games. I, I did like a machine translation of it and the person in there claimed they took only 25 hours to beat the game i'm gonna guess that's if you go through the main story and don't look at any of the submissions because holy crap there's a ton of extra stuff in the submission stuff um and i i am well over like 40 hours on that game and still not anywhere near the ending i believe i think i'm like a two-thirds the way through the game so i'm gonna guess it's gonna be like a 60 hours experience for me by the end of that but i'm also like 100 percenting it getting all the extra story bits and things like that so um but yeah, so if you want to check that out, definitely give it a, a shot. The language in it is very straightforward in a way that I think machine translation has an easy time kind of handling. Obviously, you still got to kind of fill in the blanks yourself about those things. Um, but I think if you're if you're like, hey, I want a game that's just not going to be like a no nonsense headache kind of game for machine translation, Buddy Mission Bond's one of them. It's also a very easy game in terms of structure. Most of the puzzles are laid out for you, so you don't have to like think too hard. There's nothing going to be too crazy that you have to worry about. And also uh, the 
the game basically lets you save at almost any point. So if you do want to 100% the game, it's very easy to save scum through choices, especially if you don't know what you're answering. It's just like, I don't fucking know what the answer to this is. I don't know what they're asking me. I don't know what the answers are. I'm just going to pick one of these and hope it works out. You know, you can just make a save point right before that, typically. A couple of exceptions, but most of the time you can just make a save point right before that. So, and if you get like knocked back a while, you know, it's a it's mainly a text-based game. So you can just skip through dialogue again if you need to to get back to where you are most of the time right so not really a huge issue but yeah again april 28th to may 5th that's the japanese time as well so make sure you keep that in mind if you decide to check that out it's that time it's that time again time for patreon time you know what that means in the next week or so if you're a five dollar subscriber you're gonna get yourself a pcfx ga installation video will it be exciting as, as exciting as me putting a card into a PC looks like, we're not actually launching it or doing anything, just putting the card in. Um, so yeah, up to you. <laughs> uh, a lot of also, like, I had to, like, get around the PC and try to, like, plug stuff in, and so you, a lot of butt shots in there. So if you want to see my, my big butt in the camera a lot of times, there you go. That's that's also there, I guess. But anyways, Patreon time. So like I mentioned earlier, $5 level, you get bonus content. Last time we had the Jumping Flash uh, unfinished review that I put out that basically just cleaned up very, very, very slightly and just threw out there. So if you want to check out an unfinished review for Jumping Flash, that's there. Um, and then that PCFX GA installation video is coming up here. Um, and then we also have the $3 Patreon level at the lower level. So you don't get the bonus content. But what you can do at the $3 level is ask a podcast question. Um, so again, for this week, we have uh, Jillian, Paul Daniel, and Discreet listed here as patrons. So again, thank you for you patrons on that. Um, and then for uh, the question this week is also from Jillian again. Um, so thank you again, Jillian, for all your questions here uh, as, as we, we continue to be without the motherwise. Um, is uh, what video game you say you're best at? Now, uh, in this, uh, Paul Daniel actually did give his, his response to this uh, to say what game he's best at. And he mentioned uh, WrestleFest. I'm trying to pull it up here just to make sure, but I'm pretty sure it's WrestleFest. Um, so yeah, WrestleFest is a, a, an arcade wrestling game, I believe. Gonna be honest with you, I do not know much about it. I'm not a big wrestling game fan, I'll be honest with you. I, have, I played the 64 one, so I, I can't say I know a lot about it, but good on you, Paul. Great job at being the world, the, the best one controller port patron player for WrestleFest. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, for me personally, you know, I, I, I guess it depends on on, on kind of how you interpret this. Is like what video game you say you're the best at. You know, obviously, I think very few people can say you're the best at something. Like uh, if you're talking about the number one, right? So I'm taking this from the perspective of like what games I would say I excel at, maybe. Um, and I would say there are three games that are of differing levels. Um, and some of these I'm not good at anymore. I will say. Um, so I used to be really into Call of Duty 1 a long time ago when I was like 13 and I have not played recently at all. So I'm going to sure assume, uh, I'm terrible at it now, but I used to be like really good at Call of Duty 1 and using like, uh, scopeless, uh, rifles in general. And so I, at some point had just like played so much of that game that it was pretty easy to just jump into any match and just go through and like get the top of the leaderboard. Um, just using like a, I it was like a car 98 K or something like that. Um, and then there's the, like the M1 ground grand and things like that. So I got really good at like scopeless rifles in Call of Duty. And I always really enjoyed that. Um, and there, um, I also, uh, uh, I, 
the, the scene is so visible for this that I, I really hesitate to say this, but you know, at least on a personal level, like when it comes to fighting games, uh, Smash Brothers, I'm, I would say I'm okay at, um, you know, I, I think if you put me against any person who participates in any tournament at any level, like local or whatever, I'm going to start to struggle immediately. Um, but when I go online, I generally have like pretty good luck on, on like playing online with Smash Brothers. And a lot of times it just comes down to me, um, getting good again like i need to get like back in the groove and at some point once i get back in the groove i'm usually pretty good at smash brothers i'm a very aggressive player though so i don't do good with like defensive play which is immediately where any kind of like tournament player immediately kills me because i am very readable um i'm also somebody who um uh does not do a very good job with uh spacing and things like that i don't think about it i just kind of do it so i'm again i'm just i'm more more or less i'm just like constantly on top of the enemy but i i I feel like there is like a certain level of like goodness i have at like smash brothers but i just don't like play the game enough to really hone that in anymore so whether i'm good at it anymore is another thing i also had a brief period of time where i was pretty good at um uh, money idol exchanger there's like the only time i've ever in my life like got decent as a puzzle game because I, I I'm not big fan of puzzle games. I can't see chains and stuff like that. But I just so happened to play like you know 30 to 40 hours or something like that of Money Idol Exchange or at least it felt like that much. It's been a long time, and I had gotten pretty good at the game, getting chains down, and I and I I was able to get through like the hard mode on story without too much trouble, and like I felt really good. But every other puzzle game I play, I just can't do that, and I don't know like that skill set was not something I retained from that game and was never able to actually like reutilize in other and <laughs> other uh games at all so um it, it's something that i i really would again hesitate to say hesitate to say I'm, I'm best at or something um and then more recently um when i played a lot of kandagawa jet girls when i was in the anime esports league i was told i was pretty good at, at that game at that time um however there's a lot of things about um the uh peace Beach, or not sorry peace Beach, kandagawa jet girls um, that I think was being learned at the time. And when when everything kind of got figured out by the end of it, and you kind of had in-game players with in-game tactics and things like that. Um, and and then I was not like, you know, actively plugged in and adapting to those. Um, at that point, I started to fall behind. But when it came down to like the core racing mechanics of that game early on and playing online, I did really well. And, and I, I won most of the, um, the uh, Grand Prix things you'd call it, or weekly tournaments, I guess you'd say, that I was in. And, and I had a really good time with that um i did kind of fall out at some point and i did go back and got my butt kicked um but i think at that point people had started to figure out like what optimal builds were for for things and all that kind of fun stuff so um yeah i would not say i'm the best at anything in particular though but there's some examples of like where i have excelled at some point in my life when it comes to to competitive games so there you go um you know different levels there different genres um but i think the problem is, is that i'm just so focused on different types of games all the time and playing new games i rarely get like a really good skill set at one particular game unfortunately so it th- th- chances are if i'm the best at anything it's just because nobody else has ever played it kind of thing so so yeah 
Um, but yeah, again, thank you again for the Patreon question. If you do want to ask a Patreon question on uh, Monday, I uh, go ahead and or today, if you're listening to the podcast when it comes out, um, the I put a post on the Patreon where you can go ahead and basically respond to it with your question. Otherwise, I'll show you what the question for the next week will be. If you haven't noticed from the last few few weeks as well, if you want to provide your own thoughts on the the question that's being asked, feel free to go ahead and put that in the comment section there too. Paul does it often, and I think it's like really interesting to hear other people's opinions on. On that than just mine and kind of convey that out to other people listening to the podcast so so yeah anyways back to video game news stuff or at least as newsy as we get with this podcast so uh xenoblade chronicles 3 trailer came out you know this is probably one of the more mainstream things to talk about here um and i don't have a lot of thoughts about xenoblade chronicles 3 if you don't know for whatever reason you're new to the podcast i'm a big monolith fan Really like Disaster Day of Crisis. Really like Xenoblade Chronicles. I like Bot and Kaitos. Um, I don't really care about Xenoblade Chronicles as a franchise. I don't really care about the Xeno franchise in general, but I do like a good Monolith Soft game. So as long as it's a good Monolith Soft game, I'm generally happy by the end of the day. Like Xenoblade Chronicles 2, a lot of game, a lot of things about that game I don't really care about, but it's a good Monolith Soft game, or rather I should say, it's a fun one to play. <laughs> I, I'm always surprised by how well Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is received because I think it's a... a genuinely very mixed game at best um but yeah so xenoblade chronicles 3 uh, trailer was shown off and they showed some gameplay and really all i'm looking for when i see a monolith soft trailer is do i know what's happening in this ui and if the answer is no the happier i am well really the, the less i can identify the happier i am so when i first saw it initially i was like this looks very xenoblade chronicles 2e um just like the interface in the corners and things like that I'm like okay um, however, the, the more I saw the gameplay in the trailers and things like that, there was more different things that are happening. There's like the fusion mechanics where characters can combine and, and basically become like a one entity. Um, and then there's also a, um, like rings that kind of float around the party members. I don't know if that's like a spatial thing or if that's just like an indicator, but it seems like larger than just like a, a like ring indicator of where a person is. It seems like it might be something related to spacing and things like that. Um, and there's also about like, I think seven or eight ish party members that are active at once um how active they are is always kind of a hard thing to tell these things xenoblade chronicles 2 you know you had six party members on the field at once only three of them were actually active xenoblade chronicles 2 torn of the golden country that has like one and a half party members active you have a front row and a back row and the back row character will still do stuff but they're not the ones like actively engaged in the combat kind of thing so there's there's technically more in this case it looks like they're all active party members but i'm guessing what happens is when you fuse them together that kind of reduces it down and um and so i think in one of the screenshots they show like uh at least up to six members fused into um you know a three-person party essentially from that so um you know i i, I don't really have any like i didn't I'm not somebody who sits there and dissects that gameplay and be like, oh, what is happening here? I just want to look at it and be like, okay, there's enough here that I don't know what's happening that I'll be happy probably when the game comes out because that's just what I want. I want a battle system that has new mechanics, new elements I don't know, and I just want to enjoy that aspect of the game. And, and the story stuff and enjoying that, that comes down the line. I don't need to see any of that stuff like ahead of time. I'll get there and I'll have fun with it. You know, as, as somebody who, again, does not care that much about Xeno as a whole, or Xenoblade as a franchise, that stuff is like enjoyable when I get to it. I mean, I'm playing it, but like, I don't look at it and go like, oh, that's Nia. See that, see that character there? That's Nia. I'm so excited to see what's going on with Nia in this game. Uh, Nia's story was in the first game for me or second game for me. 
or Melia's is like the first. There's like probably connections between Xenoblade Chronicles 3 with those things. So hard to say, but like, um, not hard to say. It, it looks very much like those characters with just like masks on. So I would say, unless there's like, I would be more surprised if they're not those characters. Um, But yeah, just like, it's, I'm not really going to get excited for the story until I get into it. Um, That was the same thing as Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Looked at that game. I was like, don't care about any of the story stuff. But eventually I did hear about the story when I actually started experiencing it in the characters and also the story structure. There's a lot of things about Xenoblade Chronicles 2 that is an improvement over past Monolith Soft games in terms of story. Um, but I also think that I fear a lot about the future of Xenoblade Chronicles because of how Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is setting some of their plot points up for the future. So, anyways, we won't get into it. Xenoblade Chronicles 2, I have a review about that. So, if you want to go watch that, that's on YouTube somewhere. It's not very good, probably. I don't know. I haven't watched it recently, but I'd be I'd very... Very much questioning the quality of that review now that I'm thinking about that thing existing. <laughs> um, sticking with Nintendo games, uh, very Switch heavy week this week, actually. Um, there's a, also a, this is more of like a comment that happened, not really an announcement. Um, so there was uh, the Star Fox Zero game that came out on Wii U, right? Um, and it kind of came up with the news again this week because the, I believe the character designer um, of the game, of the Star Fox series, and F also F-Zero series, uh, just mentioned he would like that game to get ported to the Wii U, which I don't know about the Japanese reception of Star Fox Zero, but the Western reception, or to the Switch, sorry. Um, but the Western like reception of that game was uh, very negative overall, I think. I mean, not like terrible, but like, I think generally the, 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 the thought out of that was that that game did not utilize the gamepad mechanics super well. I have a copy of the game have not played it yet i really should sometime in the near future probably i will try not, not near future sometime i that is a game i'll play before i die i'm pretty certain at least so um so yeah but uh i think there's two things that kind of made me like after hearing about this because like this isn't like an announcement or anything and actually the guy doesn't even work at nintendo anymore he left last year but it made me think about two things um one is uh xenomai chronicles x is not on the wii u still and more importantly i was like i don't think there's been a wii u port in a while so i'm curious if we'll see any more of those throughout the switch's lifespan um xenomai chronicles X is a game that just is really difficult, I think, to port over to the Switch in a lot of ways. So I'm getting to the point that I'm thinking Xenoblade Chronicles X may never come to the Switch, but we'll see. Uh, it is a very cool game still, though. It's just is a, a game that is very built around the gamepad in some aspects. And um, also, I think there's a lot of things about Xenoblade Chronicles X that um, would ideally be cleaned up in a, in a port to the Switch that, that, that would probably take a lot of work, honestly. So... Um, so there's that part of it. Just like, I don't know if we're going to get any more Wii U ports anymore. Um, but you know, I'm still interested in, in seeing some games from that system get moved forward. I know nobody wants it, but Devil's Third is a game that I would like to see on another console. Um, I will probably end up pirating that game at some point. Cause I think that game is pretty pricey from a physical perspective. Um, uh, and they're shutting down the Wii U eShop here shortly. Right. Or at least letting you buy stuff. So I'm at the point where like, okay, well, if you're not gonna let me buy it that way, I'm not going to sit there and like jump out of my way to like, you know, make sure I get my digital license that I, that I can keep or whatever. I'm not going to worry about the, uh, FOMO kind of fe thing, right? Like a fear missing out. Um, you know, I'm kind of done with that after the WiiWare buying a bunch of stuff to make sure I have, have my, temporary license for it or something like that right um so but hey if they, if they re-release it i i definitely am up for purchasing devil's third um on a, on a modern system as well 
or at least purchasing it and then pirating the Wii U version <laughs> so I could play the original version if I get in some weird like setup like that. Um, but the other thing about this too was just um, this made me think about that that guy. I'm trying to remember. Let me pull up his name real quick. So this guy is a uh, uh, Takaya Imura, Imamura, sorry, Takaya Imamura. And he actually worked at Nintendo for I think like 30, 35 years or so. Um, but this did make me think about a little bit about kind of where things have gone since he left Nintendo. Um, so he left in 2021. And um, while he did do the the, character, the art for Star Fox and, and, and F-Zero, um, one thing that he also did was he directed games that were um, uh, developed by Viti. Viti, I don't know how you pronounce it. Um, which is like the Giles or Giles. I, I'm uh, getting to the pronunciation thing. I know I know Americans always mispronounce his name if it's Giles or Giles. Um, but <laughs> Giles Gordard, um, or however you pronounce it, he's he's from the UK, I believe. Um, anyways, but um, so uh, he apparently was the director of Steel Diver and and Tank Troopers and things like that. And um, one thing that's kind of come up more recently with with Giles is him saying like. Nintendo's just not really the same company that it was under Iwata. So I'm kind of curious if the reason why uh, Imamura left is um, because of that kind of like change of focus and direction at the company. You know, he's around like 60-ish years old or something like that. And so he's probably around like retirement age. And he, he teaches at a university now. It's the um, International Professional University of Technology uh, that he teaches at. So like whether or not he wants to make game in the future is kind of a, a, another thing. Um, although I think in the, the, the tweet he made, he mentioned like he would like to direct a new Star Fox or something. Um, and I think he's technically a freelancer now. Uh, but, uh, anyways, but it just made me think about that fact that like, you know, the change of, of, you know, direction of Nintendo. And I believe what Giles has largely said is that there's been more of a focus on like, um, fully utilizing the franchises they have that make the most money essentially so things like animal crossing things like that um you know mario brothers mario kart things like that and trying to to get as much as you can out of those titles for better or for worse right um nintendo fans love those titles right um and then so things like steel diver and tank troopers are maybe falling by the wayside more um we literally just talked about buddy mission bond in this podcast so it's a little hard to say where buddy mission bond came from or if nintendo's completely giving up on these initiatives I think Nintendo probably more than anyone understands that new fresh IP is always important. Um, so you can bring in, you know, Splatoon is, is a, a recent example of recent 2016. It's been we're getting close to 10 years since Splatoon, uh, but like Ring Fit, things like that. There are games that Nintendo takes bets on that that work out. Clubhouse games, things like that. Clubhouse games, an old franchise. I shouldn't say that. Um, but uh, I am curious to see like if we we do see that kind of shift kind of wrapping up here shortly and if we'll see less of those kind of like more interesting unique smaller titles i feel like we already are in that case i don't think you really see a steel diver or tank troopers happening today um anymore but it just made me think about that guy a little bit and when he left and and the fact that he is connected to vd if like there's just like a general sentiment there around that group of people specifically and i'm curious like how much of that expands within nintendo itself from there like how many developers there you know um uh, might feel that the company culture has changed in any way since a lot of left um, you know, I don't think we're hearing anything about like mass, you know, leavings of, of staff from Nintendo or anything like that. So I don't think it's really a problem, um, but it's just something kind of interesting to think about a little bit, I think. So it just kind of made me think, made me think my brain worked for a little bit. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's one more Nintendo Switch game here as well that I want to talk about. It's called The Future You've Been Dreaming Of. Um, if you don't know, the developer of this game is I think Cur Curate. 
Q-U-R-E-A-T-E, the developer of Dual Princess. And if you don't know, the Dual Princess, at least, I don't know if it's available now, but Dual Princess got pulled off the eShop for being too sexy. Um, it's one of those games where like, you know, there's the 2D character on screen of the girl or whatever, and you click them and they, you know, their little 2D portrait jiggles around and then, and then also they, they make moaning noises, but it's like, you're really trying to, uh, you know, check them to make sure they're not brandishing any knives or something like that. But it's just like, no, this is just the horny thing. They're not, they're not being too, 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 you know, they're not trying to really hide it. It's just like trying to fit it within the game world context, right? Um, of, of that kind of thing. Um, so I saw this game and I think it was announced like in October last year, but I, I did not see it until today. Um, when they, they recently, I think have a Famitsu, um, piece, um, for this game. Again, the future that you've been dreaming of. And apparently it's a game about, um, a, you, an invisible guy. This is going to go sound great immediately. An invisible guy who basically like shows up in this one, like girl's, uh, room and it's kind of like a princess maker game kind of thing. So she's tr- basically trying to get a job and it sounds like you are basically helping her job hunt and things like that. And you have to like help her manage her stats and things like that and make sure she's relaxing enough and things like that. Um, so that, that text part is not something that like, I, I, that is like portrayed in the trailer that they showed off for this game. All they show in the trailer for this game is like you in the room with the girl and her like sitting on the bed and she like holds up a massager kind of thing, which, you know, there's sexual con context around that. Um, but my brain was immediately just like, Oh wait, is this a massage game? Cause like I was like super into the idea of like Cinder and Kagura reflections being a massage game, especially like HD Rumble on Nintendo Switch. If you weren't there for that whole thing, I played that game. I was hoping it'd be like a a, a massage simulator that made full use of the Joy-Cons and their motion controls and the HD Rumble and all that stuff. And it came up ridiculously short. And like the, the, the most painful thing about it was the very first scene of the game gets it right. That part of the game gets it right. The whole thing where you're like holding the Joy-Cons out, you press the thumb, um, uh, the analog stick in to like massage the girl's like hands when they're holding their hands out to you. And like that kind of motion of like holding something in the palm of your hands and then pressing down in a way that you're like on screens mimicking by you like holding her palm and like pressing the thumb. That was 100% like what I was expecting that game to be. A lot of those kind of things. And unfortunately, it was not that. You know, horny stuff aside, I just like games that do weird stuff with controllers and things like that. It reminds me a little bit like when Chris Kohler came back from Tokyo Game Show talking about, um, uh, what's the, uh, Namco, uh, VR game with the girl? I can't remind you. I the only thing that comes to my mind is the like the the horny spin-off game somebody made on Steam that was like a Dojin game kind of thing. But there's like a um like like when I say horny, I mean like 18 plus version of it. But there's like Summer Lesson. Is that what it's called? I think it's Summer Lesson. So Summer Lesson was a game where you were like studying with a girl like sitting beside her in VR kind of thing. And so when when Chris Kohler came back from Tokyo Game Show talking about it, you know, obviously first thing you do on a podcast in, in that context as at least an English speaker is be like, oh, ho, ho, Japan and their, their, their creepy game because you're like sitting beside like a schoolgirl or kind of thing. And it's like, you know, presenting the girl in a way that it could be interpreted as very sexual. I don't remember that much about it, so I don't know for sure if they actually really ever did that. But, you know, it is, it is, it is interpreting, it is creating that closeness to a girl. And the thing that Chris Kohler, like, really focused on was just, like, this feeling of somebody being beside you. And, like, he didn't really let the conversation deviate from that. Because mechanically, as a game, that's what that game was doing. And, and that focus on that. And so, like, to me, that is, like, kind of what I wanted to center 
Kruger Reflections is the mechanically the feeling of interacting with somebody through a Joy-Con and like the other stuff I don't care about that much. <laughs> it's fine. Um, so like I like I don't care about the Cinder Kruger characters. I don't really like I don't know. Like it, it was fine when I actually played. It was fine. I'm getting way off track here. So really, all I was saying, trying to get to say, was like I wanted it to be like a massage simulator kind of thing. Um, it sounds like it's not that. Um, this new game, um, which is good to know up front, because then I can come if I do play. It's going to come with the expectations, you know, more more like uh, uh, you know less a lot less of expectations. Um, but um, I might. I'm on, I'm on the fence. I kind of want to check it out, but I know if it's going to be princess maker and it's just going to be like, you know, making decisions and then you get like some, some like sexy, you know, like posing and stuff like that. I don't really have a lot of interest in that. So I might wait to see if there's like a more substantial trailer that comes out. Cause the first trailer is very, very short. Um, but I am somewhat interested in that game. So we'll see if I follow up on that. That comes out May 19th though. So it comes out fairly soon. So, um, if there isn't already, I should probably go and check to see if there's a switch page up. Cause if, if there's a switch page up for it, there will probably be some actual, um, uh, uh, a trailer for gameplay on there. Um, it is going to be in, in, I believe Japanese, uh, Mandarin, English, and I think two other languages. I can't remember off the top of my head, but you know, it will be in English. So it is something that if I wanted to look at, we could do. I don't know if it's, don't know if it's going to be like a Kaminazo situation with like, yes, it's in English, but you can only buy it off the Japanese eShop kind of thing. Um, so I don't know how precious Nintendo of America is about releasing that stuff on the, uh, the eShop. If they're like, this is maybe a little too much for our eShop or something like that. So, so yeah. I think that's probably plenty to talk about this week, though. Um, so, yeah, just a bunch of little games here that I thought were worth talking about. Some things that came to my mind about the Star Fox stuff and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. I'm not going to be excited about that game until it comes out. Uh, the, the release date did get, get moved up, though. It's like July. It's late July. I don't know the exact day. So I did go ahead and order my copy. Um, so I, I think I'm pretty quickly giving up on get, finishing Soma Bringer before that game comes out at this point. Um, but I will try to play it you know, when it comes out, I will try, um, I will try to make that work. So, um, if I, if I can make time for any RPG, it's going to be a model of soft RPG. Um, because I am always curious to see what they're doing. And I am always full of anxiety when it comes to model of soft and them like sticking to the Xenoblade franchise. I, I want to see them continue to explore different ideas and, and really create unique games. And the more they, 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 stick to this one franchise the more i worry about that especially since when they when they talk about xenoblade chronicles they're talking about it in the context of a lot of early xeno stuff which i think a lot of early xeno stuff is a mistake honestly i know people like it but i think there's a lot of mistakes made there and i worry those mistakes will carry over there's definitely a good way to do xeno saga and xeno gears i just think that there are a lot of problems with how they do it obviously that's why they did they succeed but I worry that they're just going to try to do that again. But now we have a player base that's following this. And I just don't, I don't want that to happen. I don't want that to happen. Monolith Soft, I'm looking directly in your eyes right now. I'm going to go. Thank you again. Oreca Battle, Ore Kanpeki device, unboxing and first impressions videos. That's going up. That's using the other setup I have. So that's been used on the Patreon occasionally, but I don't think we've really used it that much on the actual YouTube. So just a heads up on there. That setup is not nearly as, you know, it's pretty, pretty janky, but I think it worked well for the video that we were doing. 
Um, and then, uh, yeah, hopefully I'll have some like family jockey to talk about next week. But otherwise, stream time next week, we'll have Crime Crackers. Um, and then I think in the next like week or so, uh, Betia is coming out, the Switch. And I have that on order um, to, to come here. So maybe we'll stream that one week as like a side thing to just do for a little bit. That's that uh, English learning uh, RPG that, that that's coming out for the Switch in Japan. So I figured that's probably not going to get localized. So I went ahead and just imported it. So um, because I think it looks really cute and really fun and I would like to play that game. Um, but, you know, it is an RPG and curious how long an RPG since it's like an edutainment title. I'm going to hope it's like a shorter RPG. I would like to sit down and play through it. Um, I don't think we'll do that on stream unless like everybody really loves it. Then maybe we'll take a Crime Crackers break and play through that a couple weeks in a row but um yeah you got to figure out what that looks like because it does require like a microphone to be connected via usb to your switch so i'll have to figure out what microphone i'll use for that um because i only have two microphones and one i use for streaming the other one um is uh I won't get into it, but it's basically super glued down to the other desk right now because other things happened on that stand and that microphone's a piece of junk. And I was like, I don't care what happens to this microphone anymore. I'm just going to super glue the shit out of it. <laughs> so I can't really move it super easily, unfortunately. <laughs> um, it's fine because it's like it's a junk microphone anyways that I expect to get tossed at some point. But anyways, that's it. Thank you. Again, blogcontroller.com is the website. And I hope you have a great week. Bye.